everyone. Welcome to Conversations About Sex, Addiction, and Relationships. My name is Jeannie Vitoni, and I'm here with my friends and colleagues, Tim Stein, Dan Drake, and Wendy Conquest. And today we're talking about cultural diversity in psychotherapy. And so we have a special guest today from Singapore, who is Artie Chidambaram, and I'm hoping I said that correctly. It's a beautiful last name. And she's gonna be joining us to talk about diversity again in psychotherapy. So guys, I'm really curious, let's just start off. Like, what do you think of when you hear that term diversity or cultural diversity? And let's help narrow the field perhaps. That means you guys. <laughs> we are all well-versed. When I, I think about that, it, 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 it is kind of like that deer in the headlights. You know, I, I don't know what I don't know. And, you know, uh, diversity, I, I, you know, uh, I, I, I always hope with my clients, I'm not sticking my foot in my mouth somewhere um, when it comes to diversity and, and, and culture, whether that's religion, whether that's ethnic, whether that's, you know, um, you know, uh, sexual orientation. I, I hope I'm not messing something up. Um, as, a, as I'm saying this, I, I realize, and I guess I rely heavily on the therapeutic relationship I have with the client that if I mess something up that I can circle back and repair. Um, but trying to understand it, I mean, there, there, there's just a, a complexity out there. I'm really looking forward to hearing what Artie has to say to sort of like get a little clarity to this uh, topic that sometimes feels very muddy. Yeah, it, I'm remembering uh, my multicultural class in graduate school. Uh, and so one of the big takeaways from that was um, do, can you get me? Do you understand me? You know, if we're from a different culture, if we're from a different religious background, if we're from, if we're a different sexual orientation, can you understand my experience and, and help me? Um, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a big question. Um, it, so is it possible? And, and I'm, I'm really, wondering what Artie has to say about that. I, I have um, on my Facebook page, um, a lot of people that are writing in from all over the world, uh, asking a lot of different questions. And um, I try to answer holding, you know, holding their different cultures as best as I can. But a lot of times I'm asking questions um, about, about them to just even get a little bit of context before I can even answer, begin to answer. Which that's a, I, that made me think at what point do we, what's on us to try and understand someone's cultural background versus have them teach us? I guess I, I would love to hear that, you know, how much, what's my responsibility to learn and grow versus, uh, you know, being open to, to what their perspective is. I mean, I know for me, I, I don't know what I don't know. So sometimes I've, I've, what I found is when it's when I travel to another country and then that's when I realize my own, the assumptions I take it without even, you know, questioning them. I, I remember the first time I went to a culture where uh, they, they shook their head one way for, for this was yes. And the other way, what we usually nod for yes was no. And the other way was uh, shaking head for, for yes. And it was really confusing, but it was just that one little moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to really rethink just these kind of natural body, you know, posture or gestures, these things that you, we don't even think twice about, but I've just ingrained that I have to rethink how I function, how I, how I, uh, interact with people around me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I let's think also, 
Yeah, well, and one more piece that I'm, I'm curious about is um, language differences. Um, and so if, if, uh, if I'm speaking somebody's secondary language, but they have a primary language, does that, um, does some, is something lost or is, is there something, um, yeah, is there any uh, disadvantage to that? And, and is there a way to overcome that? I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Well, let's have Artie uh, turn her video on, come on in our room, be part of the conversation. Hi guys. Hi, Artie. Welcome Artie. <laughs> so good to see you. So, so we're, yeah. we're talking cultural diversity and, yeah. and I'm again in Singapore, I'm also imagining that you work with a very diverse population. Yeah, yeah. That's that true? <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. And by the way, you did an amazing job with my last thing. I just wanted to say that. Woo! <laughs> um, I mean, I've been hearing you guys, uh, you know, just the first thoughts on cultural diversity and cultural sensitivity, I think that is so relevant because it's true, even though I'm working here with a multicultural uh, clientele, I still find myself getting like, ooh, I didn't know this bit. This didn't, this didn't kind of, you know, like this hasn't come across my table before. So um, it is true. We live in a global civilization nowadays where we are all kind of coming closer thanks to internet more and more and sometimes we can be caught off guard and yes Singapore is kind of like a melting pot it's such a small country and the distances are so small that you do see a lot of culture uh, just within that small I, I, I just like to say square footage of real estate um, I mean what's most interesting for me to see is it's not just about people from different cultures. It's also about the similarities within those different cultures that we, are, we all do have. Um, you know, there are certain universalities. So which, which, for example, everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be understood. Everybody wants to have a sense of belonging. So there, there are those universal themes irrespective of which culture you come from. And as a therapist, I try to lean into those universalities quite a bit. Uh, and then hold their uniqueness in, in with curiosity and sensitivity both. Um, being from a multicultural society myself, it probably comes a little bit easier for me because, you know, I mean, my origin is India, I'm Indian, and India itself is such a multicultural experience from the north to the south to the east to the west. We just very, very... Um, diverse in 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 um language in food um wendy you were saying about languages being misunderstood or misinterpreted sometimes as something lost in translation i do be i do believe that because sometimes i have clients who whose first language is not english and they're trying to express their innermost feelings and it takes some time to get there you know but the way i look at culture is that it is it is kind of the way of life for people, uh, especially like customs or beliefs for that particular group of people in that particular time. It might differ from time to time as well for them, but that's how I see culture. And I try to be, for the ones I'm familiar with, I lean in a little bit more. For the ones I'm not, I think I hold a lot of curiosity and uh, sensitivity. That's my first take on how culture presents itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I have a big question for you, Artie. Can I just jump in with that? Yeah, please. So much of what's been written psychotherapy wise has been, you know, dominated like a Western European mm -hmm. model, white male model. I'm just yeah. curious in your experience, and I know you can't speak for every culture, obviously, yeah. obviously, but, but what, what are those things, you know, are there some universal principles that you see applying from that kind of approach or conceptualization and, and what, what doesn't quite fit that you have to adapt in your own work yes. with, with clients? Yeah, um, you're right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes a struggle because um, let's talk about the things that are universal. Like I said, the first part of, you know, empathy or, or sensitivity or wanting to understand, which if you look at the Rogerian way of working, that's your client-centered approach, right? You kind of um, unconditional acceptance. And that is brilliant because that helps us lean into the universality of wanting to help our client, wanting to, you know, relieve or help them through whatever um, stressor or anxiety or issues that have brought us face to face in a client um, therapeutic relationship. But the challenge becomes when things that are, you know, for example, the psychosocial stages of development, for example, which the Erickson's, Eric Erickson's way of moving through um, people's personality development might not necessarily fit into, say, a culture which has a lot of intergenerational uh, coming together, collectivism, where it's not as individual, um, where you have to adapt to the fact that there are joint families where people live together, where, you know, mums um, and dads have a little bit more say, even in adult children's lives and the grandchildren's lives. And how do that, how does that translate? So if I were to simply go from, you know, oh, your family of origin versus your, um, you know, your new family, you guys need to have a complete divide and you guys are a different entity that might not sit well with their culture and that might actually create an identity crisis for them as well because they it's so rooted to be part of a collective in in the asian uh, or the more eastern kind of thinking um it it's difficult to just kind of adapt a complete oh this is before and this is after kind of a situation for people who have been entrenched in a thought process of we are all like families part of before after and in between everything so it's it's difficult to just do that that's without, so, sorry go ahead yeah go for it <laughs> i was just that's so fascinating because you know we think differentiation that's the goal and uh, autonomy and you know yeah. being responsible for my own self and my own happiness and not being you know dictated but that dictated by other people around me and that's so much of what i think uh gets translated as our values and yet you're saying if if yes. you just adapt that that would be problematic yeah it could be it could be and uh, the one thing like you know like where, since becoming a psychologist you also become more observant and you look at social um rituals slightly differently so if, if you go to for example an indian wedding you will see that it's not just about the bride and the groom of course it's them but there are rituals there are uh sanskrit mantras that are being spoken for the father to have a role and the mother to have a role and the brother to have a role so it's like the entire family system comes together to support this particular relationship to keep them in that uh you know 
matrimonial <laughs> space and support them in times of stress. And so the, the, a lot of those promises given that, you know, the families are coming together. It's not just the bride and the groom that are coming together. So it's that collective notion. So being extremely like individuated uh, and drawing two stark boundaries might be very difficult for them uh, to, to, to really understand and not have an identity crisis or value crisis actually. Mm -hmm. it's interesting we did an episode on enmeshment mm -hmm. and um and so what's what's in my head right now is um for some cultures that would it's like no that's not enmeshment that that's the way we are right that, that, that's <laughs> I, so of course I'm going to be really really connected you know with my kid and be telling you know so it's it's interesting the yeah. It's very interesting um, with, so, hmm, so Artie, how do you, how do you do, how do you do therapy with the collective, with the collective, with someone from a collective culture? Right. Um, so I think here it's important for me to say that a lot of Asian people are more aware of the West thanks to Hollywood and a lot of things. And, you know, most educated people are very much more aware of what happens in the West than, I don't know, whether Westerners have enough information about the East because of the fact that probably they're not such famous movies or things that would be in mainstream media. Like my kids watch more English or, you know, Hollywood content than they probably do Hindi. So it's just that uh, culture-wise, it's easier for a, an Asian culture, probably, to understand where the West is or to at least have a pop culture <laughs> reference, if, if not a very in-depth reference of what is going on. So when, they, when you talk about therapy, for example, it is all, it's already a very Western mm. notion for most people in Asia. It's catching up. I'm glad it is. But it is um, still at, I would say, very early stages. People still aren't comfortable talking about this seeing a therapist, so they, they have somebody they need to talk to about it. Most people who would be comfortable saying that are, and again, Singapore being a melting pot, are expats who are living here, Westerners, and you know who, uh, who know they can talk to people saying, I'm in therapy, and not feel any kind of a, oh, you're in therapy, an eyebrow lift. That doesn't happen. But an Asian Asian person, uh, still does not want it to be known that they are seeing a therapist. So when they come into my, like Wendy, when you say, how do I deal with it? The first, first crack of it for me is already that they are familiar with a therapeutic concept. So it's a little bit of a Western concept already for them. So we, we are kind of trying to meld their notion of identity versus what's something that's coming in from another cultural or another value system. So that's, that's, a, that's an amalgamation happening there already. Um, and what I notice is most Asian people just want to be felt that their ideas aren't, uh, you know, their, their values need not be thrown out completely. So it's again, finding that, yeah, you want to take it, for example, uh, you know, if there is a, this, which happens quite a bit, a discord between the, the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law and the husband is stuck in between um, because maybe he, maybe the mother-in-law is staying in, 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 their, in their house, which is not uncommon. Like the son has 
culturally the duty to look after the parents. Um, so there, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, but how do we manage that? So if it was just a Western therapist, the idea might have been, which has happened to them because we do have expat therapists as well, like, oh, you know, you just need to ask her to move out or you need to move out or, you know, like clear the, clear the air. But in this case, that would cause more crisis because you are now dealing with someone who's feeling like he's doing something inadequate, either one way or the other. So creating a sensitivity for them that I get that's, a, that's an issue. Can we have boundaries around them being there, not recommending, you know, like breaking up the family, but discussion on understanding their point of view versus your point of view, sometimes even inviting that family member into the therapeutic setup. And it's, you know, unique in that way that we then do family uh, sessions. We kind of create dialogue between everybody and bring it uh, bring cohesion rather than just like clear boundaries and you know uh, the boundaries are still there but they are in 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 a way that bring people together not pe in, in not in a way that divide so a small I'm, example. I'm thinking of something you said earlier that sensitivity and leaning yeah. into the universal truths yeah and I was just thinking that would you know to come from that perspective of I may know or not know something about the culture of this person, um, but I've not walked in their shoes. And how can I be sensitive to that, curious to that? But I haven't thought about the universal truths. Yeah. And so, okay. So I'm like, okay, let's go back. I loved what you said, wanting sense of belonging. Yeah. And then you rattled off a couple more that were really great. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I, I hope I remember them because yeah. I, <laughs> but if I don't, um, I don't know, maybe Tim can tell us later. <laughs> I'll go back and check. And if you don't get this exactly right. I wrote some down, so. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. I love it. Okay, already you oh, get you it. Know. We can make it a class brainstorm. But, okay, sense of belonging. Um, happiness was one of the things. Happiness oh. and sense of belonging. And I think there was one more now. I just can't you remember. You said, I think, being valued. Being understood. Being understood and valued, yes. Yeah. These, these are my, yeah. And to me, I think what, what helps is even when I'm feeling like I don't really get them at this point in time, I go into these three. Like, okay, what's, what's, what's the universality here? Which one is she looking, is he or she looking for a sense of belonging? Mm -hmm. uh, is, it, is, is it the happiness that's being challenged right now? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, their valueness or being understood? Which one is feeling like I'm not touching that? Because mm -hmm. if you're touching, in my experience, and again, it's not all, not true for everybody but in my experience I find if we are touching one or more of these you mm -hmm. generally have a have an in into them and you know I think um there was a one of I think Tim or Dan you guys said that you know do I learn from them at what point do am I curious versus what point am I you know learning from someone else and bringing it in how does it work I think it's just both <laughs> you know the more informed we are in any way like, for example, when there are people of a culture that I have very little exposure to um, and I don't know how to reach out and maybe I do have exposure, but I don't have the interpretations that they are presenting to me, maybe from a church reading or something, or I actually do reach out to people like, is this correct? Am I hearing this right? Do I know? Do, is, is there something I need to know here? Because while this person is holding on to say this particular um, reference from this particular uh, holy book or whatever, 
is this interpretation the only interpretation? It's also interpretation. It's also some people think, especially when it comes to religious pieces of the culture, um, there's a lot of interpretation involved. A lot of, um, you know, it's written, but how do we understand it? And I say, if I'm not of the faith, I, I don't want to make that leap that you've got it right or wrong or whatever the case might be. I, I would ask someone and I might even say to them, why don't we talk with this with someone who has had uh, a little bit different experience of, about this and, you know, help them maybe relieve some pressure that they might be holding, maybe because they're teachings or their faith have got them in a particular stuck position, how to get them unstuck from that position, because we have moved away from those universalities, how do I bring them back to that sense? You know, what, what comes to mind for me as you're talking about this already is whether someone is coming into my office and experiencing that their culture is clashing with the, the culture around them, uh, mm -hmm. or whether they're very comfortable in their culture and they don't feel it's a clash, but they're just struggling with something on their own, how important it is for us to help clients find their own healing path, which may not be my healing path. And balancing that, you know, yeah, I've got knowledge and I've got information and I can nudge and push and maybe suggest some uh, resources, mm -hmm. but how important it is for me not to, and I think this is something that we try to do as therapists all the time. I'm not going to impose my value system on my clients, but how important it is to help them to find what their healing path is. And if that's, you know, talk to somebody from your culture around other ways of thinking about this, or whether that's just helping them to explore where are they feeling stuck? And like you said, those universal um, desires or experiences or values or whatever it is that how I, there was a great word you used and it's not in my head right now, but helping people to find what is their path forward to healing, not the path forward that I think they should take, which is going to be culturally biased from my own perspective. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tim. But, um, you know, and to add to that, it's also like those universalities exist, the universal things that people, all of us want, irrespective of which part we, which part of the world we belong to. I also add one bit of functionality and that becomes a little and do no harm kind of piece, right? Because that again, functionality is also something that needs a sensitive lens, a sensitive lens of what's functional for, for me might not be functional for you or, you know, vice versa, but the do no harm piece kind of comes on top of it. And then you can decide what is functional versus what is dysfunctional in that do no harm space. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for example, um, when, when we are looking at people who are uh, yeah, get, getting into a relationship in the, in, in, especially in India, I mean, modern times are slightly different, but arranged marriages still exist. Uh, parents still find, uh, you know, send kids on blind dates. That's how I can describe it as an, an arranged marriage setup is, Parents figure out this family looks good, this guy looks good, let's get the kids together and see if they click off. Um, and to be fair, a lot of those relationships actually end up doing very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there are also people who find their, their um, uh, significant other in, in a normal, what other Westerners would call normal, you know, college kind of workplace kind of people. And then they get together and decide that they want to spend the rest of their lives together. And 
I think what is important is to understand that culturally, the, the Asian sense of collectivism sometimes helps that helps the relationship stay a little stronger sometimes uh, you know because there is when we talk about the fact that in therapy is a new concept or it's not something that people talk about i i believe and this is my own little research that i've done on my own time is that when there is a collectivism there's so many people in the family you can talk to like if you're having a bad this thing you can call your aunt you can call your um mom or even mom and dad at some times if you have a good enough relationship and just you know throw out your issues and have like a therapeutic session <laughs> ad hoc therapeutic session with your folks and most of the times you solve a lot of those issues like that and you kind of work through a lot of those issues because you don't you're not left alone you feel less alone in the traditional way of doing things, right? Now, of course, that's changing as well in the modern diaspora. You have more nuclear families coming up. You have more people moving out and you know, going to different cities like I've been living on my own for the last 14 years and stuff. So it does change, but the cultural, this thing that I can still pick up my phone and call my sister, call my, call my mom even, and even my aunt if I have to, is still there because that, that has already been established that you know, you don't, you're not alone. So that singularity of isolation is less perceived, I feel, in a collectivist space. And that culture has an advantage of maybe, you know, giving a little bit more robust personality and psyche for a person to feel stronger in, in times of crisis. That's that's how I have seen it. Well, I, I have a question. I have a question. Sure. Um, so, so when, um, so... In, in, in Western culture, um, if somebody calls um, a friend or a sister, especially if they're talking about the relationship, a lot of times that family member, those friends will take that one person's side. Hmm. And I'm yeah. wondering, I'm wondering, right, in Asian cultures, how, what, is it the same or is it different? To, how does the support manifest? Yes. Um, that's such a good question. I'm looking back and thinking of all the calls I've had versus all the calls my friends have had and stuff like that. But I think what happens is, yes, there is a certain level of, hey, I got your back kind of thing. Yeah, you know, you can tell me anything and da da da. Um, I think what I have also heard is because uh, the, the support system is for the relationship as well, as much, I mean, unless there's something really untoward going on, like abuse or something where there has to be a distinct split, um, I think that the, the constant thing is, okay, let's see how we can help the both of you mm -hmm. to get into a better space, mm -hmm. you know? And um, of course, the first time you call, it's more like anger and you're kind of probably venting mm -hmm. like we probably would, but the cultural apparatus, if you would, uh, leans more towards a collective, like let's come together to support this system. Let's kind of like, for example, when you have a baby, it's such a difficult time, right? When a baby comes in, there's so much work. I mean, it's wonderful, don't get me wrong, it's lovely. You have all those wonderful moments, but it's also exhausting both emotionally and physically. Um, in, in the, especially in the Indian uh, context, a lot of times both sides of parents will come in. Sometimes that could be overwhelming as well, but they'll take turns or whatever. But it's, it's like, let's support the two of you, mom and dad, obviously mom a little bit more, uh, 
to go through this transition phase of venue and L3. Let's kind of not, you know, like things like moms, new moms might need help with not knowing what to do. I know why is the baby crying so much, no, not enough sleep. They just kind of, it takes a village, they say, right? And that village presents itself in those moments. It feels and so I much more, oh, sorry, sorry, Artie, go ahead. It just feels so much more rooted. Like there's this, and I feel like the wisdom that can get transferred that way versus yeah. I'm going to do it all myself and I'll Google something and I'll figure it out. It and, you know, there seems like there's so much connection with, with the past and history. That's so much a part of it. It makes me think too, the, this idea of how I see relationships would be different from a collectivist culture too. So, you know, I think of the Western notion of a relationship where I, it's a feeling, it's a romantic fairy tale. And maybe when that the feelings start changing or dissipating, now it's time for me to, to cut you off and find someone else that's going to make me feel better versus I'm rooted in this. I'm a part of a community. I'm part of a family now. And it's not just, it's not just me and my own happiness. Now I'm actually a part of a system. And I, I could see how, you know, there could be problems there too, but I could see how there's also, you know, I think from my own experience that when I got married, I had feelings, but I also, I, I was very clear. I want to have, uh, I'm committed my my marriage is based on a commitment and an, an action steps not just the feelings so which i'm grateful for because the times that i you know feel the love towards my wife the times i feel the hate the times i feel angry the times i want to you know go somewhere else like i i'm always coming back and the same for her i can't you know i'm sure there's once or twice she's been upset with me <laughs> i want to remind everyone we're talking about cultural diversity and psychotherapy and we have today with us Artie Chidambaram from Singapore joining us in this conversation. Well, and, and like you were, you were saying, Dan, about what, what works, I, I make the assumption, and I'm curious, Artie, what your thoughts are on this. I know that we have in our American culture, you know, a, a big emphasis on individuation, autonomy, um, you know, self-direction. And we see people that come in that function very well with that level of separation. And there are also people that come in that that level of separation doesn't work well for them. And some of their work is, you know, needing to find a way to connect and sort of move into more of a, a collective sense of connection with people. I yeah. assume in more of a collective culture that the opposite is sometimes true, that, that that kind of connection works for some people very well. And for some people, it, it doesn't work for them and they're trying to figure out how to create a little bit more autonomy because that's naturally where they want to be and that's you know that's probably the opposite struggle than what we see mm -hmm. in our offices here in the states right yeah, they right. moved to new york city that's what they do <laughs> i you know but i want you know i i mean i have to get curious regarding tim's you know question statement is when you you feel like you don't fit into your own culture do you know do you move to another another country and um try to assimilate as best you can with the comfort level you have you know in your own head and body right. i mean and so true right i mean that just because we're talking about culture in in a particular majority that that doesn't mean that there aren't people who have different needs uh within the same same culture and i guess that's what you're talking about tim when you say what if somebody else's need is for less collectivism and less um you know uh, not too many people in my space kind of situation <laughs> um it's it's true it is true it happens to to the best of 
I mean, I don't think it's something right or wrong. I think it's just every culture has that capacity to hold differences, to hold, uh, you know, variations. Um, and when I'm talking about collectivistic culture, it's more the attitude than the actual uh, people living in, in each other's spaces. Um, I mean, for example, when I, when I say parents come, which means I'm living in my own house and I have people come at times when I need support. Um, it's not that we aren't, we are not always living in the same generational house. Sometimes, yes, when they are elderly parents, for example, if there's a son in the house, the general idea is the son is the one who looks after the retired elderly parent, which means the daughter-in-law is also part of the caregiving for that particular uh, person. But the the if if that's what you have seen happen, like if you've seen, like if I've seen my my uncle is the only male in my family. He's taken care of his uh, parents. My husband's idea is to take care of his parents. One tends to say that you've been seeing that and that doesn't feel off. That doesn't feel like you're kind of chafing against something. It just feels like, yeah, that's, that's, that sounds good. But individual differences can still be achieved within the space that you are in. Like you don't, you're not joining the hip in a sense. You have them as touch points. You have, there, there is a lot more interaction and advice is given. And, you know, at times like a, a transitional family, transitional spaces, you have more access, but everybody decides how they talk about that collectivism. It may be that two people, you know, families just kind of taken two apartments in the same 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 condominium or something and they're just nearby to each other but they're there knowing that they're around sometimes they even have are in different states because the son's job has taken him somewhere else and they're not in the same state as they are but there is an idea that there'll be a lot of visitation back and forth there'll, there'll be a lot of that you know it's not out of sight out of mind kind of situation it's more we find our balance where it feels good and you know there's always there's always room for negotiation that's where at it. it doesn't have to be a one size fits all. We all understand that some people will be okay with more time, more space together. Some people will not. But the but the viewpoint overall is to not feel completely separated from the family entity or even the family of origin entity. So that's that's the general consensus that you see. Like for example, here in Singapore, I see this it's quite unique but quite nice thing that I see that both parents are working. And a lot of times the, uh, the grandparents are the ones who are dropping the kids to kindergarten and picking them up. And then the parents will come back from office and pick them up and take them to their house. So they're not probably living together, but there's that touch point on a daily basis, you know, where the kids are. the And I, I don't know if there was this research, I think a couple of years ago, which was in this part of the world, I don't know if it was there, that kids who grew up with the input of grandparents have a lot more stability and a lot more mm. connectivity and identity to themselves. So, you know, that's one thing that is good for children to have a lot of that. You know, they'll tell them the stories of the yesteryear. They'll tell them the stories of, you know, how things were and you come from this family and you have, so they give them a lot of rooting and a lot of orientation, which sometimes when you're in an individual culture, you feel a little drift, adrift, you know, like where, where do I land? Where am I? And that I think is provided a little bit more, um, I think, readily when you are in a collectivist culture, is what I'm thinking. I, I was don't thinking know what you think about. I was thinking about the, you know the American culture is such a mix of so many cultures. Yeah. You know we're such a large body of land, 
And, and while we're a new nation in comparison, um, there's a lot of variances in our country and self. And so I think back to that sensitivity yes. of understanding that you may not understand the cultural uh, beliefs, rituals of whomever is sitting across from us in our office. And I would also say, because we are also, we have our Native American population, and then the rest are this immigrant experience, depending on where you are in that, but very first came over. Um, and so I think the immigration generation, which level are you of when you arrived in this country and the assimilation or not assimilation? So I think America in itself is such a, I, don't, I just wanna be, you know, such a mix of folks and beliefs that I wanna encourage the sensitivity piece. I'm just thinking of all the different people I have had in my room and really that sensitivity and that curiosity and here's what I know and here's what I don't know and how is this for you? That's really one of the main messages. Do you feel understood and cared for by your therapist? Yeah, so true, so true. Hey, Artie, what are the significant, frequent or obvious missteps mm -hmm. that um I, I i'll let's say what are the what are the huge mistakes that white male american therapists make when they're working with someone walking their office from a, another culture before we go can we, can we say like top 10 don't do's no matter <laughs> no matter what gender or ethnicity you might be or religion top 10 don't do's wow before, i don't i'm just thinking i don't think i have top 10 i don't i think it's just top three <laughs> I would go down to, I, I think it's, it's as you said, uh, Jeannie, it's for everybody. It's for all of us, right? Like um, we, we have certain tools and structures, uh, say for example, if we are looking at, and this, this particular example comes really forthright in my, in my head is, uh, you know, it was somebody who was working in our office who was not of Asian descent and we had, somebody who was struggling with addiction, alcohol addiction. And, you know, the wife was here and, you know, they were Indian. And um, this person who was of non-Asian, the therapist was in all good intentions said that, well, you need to ask him to move out of the house. You need to ask him to do this. You need to ask, like she was doing what was protocol, right? She was not doing anything untoward, but just kind of trying to empower the partner to get him to take it seriously like you know like you, 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 what are the consequences if he has a relapse that kind of question was going on and this partner just broke down she just had a complete meltdown saying I can't do that that's not my culture that doesn't I can't do that and they were also supporting the husband's widowed mother in the house so that was like throw him and her out you're not there to take care of da 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 and that was my first like, whoa, this is a cultural mismatch right here, right now. Um, I, I obviously heard about it after the fact when that person decided to shift to somebody who was not non-Western and talk about it differently. But I, I don't think she did anything wrong. Let me just put it out there. I think it was more that culturally, this was very difficult for her because a lot of her identities to be the, you know, um, 
the wife or and the, the lady of the household, which means that it isn't this tuck, 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 tuck. It is about creating understanding that how, and it, it, was, it was really about what is it that she can do within that, which does not make her uncomfortable, just not, does not go around her value systems. So not looking at, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, but looking at what can you do within your, within your space. So obviously him have, having relapses or not going to therapy is difficult. So what do you, what, what are the things that you can find that you can do? Creating more actually stability within the household because the mom actually was on the, on the side of the daughter-in-law. So she, they both were able to support each other at this particular junction. So that was a unique strength or a unique tool that presented itself, which would not have been available if they had just kind of moved their separate ways. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the maybe top don'ts might be um, looking at curiously what they find themselves capable of doing within their cultural context not being more not being less uh, like you have your structure and let's go through it um, might be the structure might need to be uh, molded or tweaked to fit the cultural space that they found themselves in mm -hmm. so that would be just the, actually that's the only thing that i'd say there's no no top 10 that that one thing probably will help us go through the 10 things. <laughs> Which I guess is an attitude of humility and openness and learning. And, you know, that we're really trying to understand someone else's perspective, put ourselves in, and try to not, you know, learn, learn where our own blind spots are and not impose our, our own, our own stuff, which we all have. We all have a way to view the world, but try to try to oh, keep everybody. expanding that. That's, not, that's what I'm hearing as a yeah. critical step for us to do. Yeah, yeah. There isn't a situation I've thus walked in and said, I know this, I got this. <laughs> I think I have always, because I think I see so many different people, like I have clients from Europe, from Greece, from, you know, England, from America living here. Um, and of course, Asian Chinese who are Singaporean Chinese versus authentic from mainland China, from, you know, like Japanese clients, Korean clients, Indian clients. It's just I, I find myself constantly fascinated and learning in, in each session and listening, you know, really listening to when they're saying, I can't do this. What's there? What's, what's that? Is that a value or a culture piece that's holding them and trying to have sensitivity to that? And if it's, it's sometimes it could be a dysfunctional conditioning that has happened to them, then we talk about that a little bit more with curiosity and saying, is that truly the culture or is that something that has been interpreted? So it's, it's really about really being curious and, and humble. I love, love the word and humble mm -hmm. to, to not have all the answers. We don't. There have been times like, I don't know where you're coming from. Can you give me some material? Can you help me read up something? So they would provide that for me and vice versa. You know, we, we kind of keep that education piece going as well. But I like what you're saying, Jeannie, because it's totally about not having any assumptions in that moment. Uh, just having your universalities down and helping them get there as to the best of their abilities and yours. Which is, again, so fascinating to talk about universal. One little last, last thought that I had is uh, around, you know, in all these outcome studies of what, what makes therapy effective, 
almost always, no matter what the treatment, whatever kind of theoretic orientation I come from, what my modality is, universal is, does my therapist care about me? Yeah. Does right? It, like, it doesn't matter the intervention. So I just, you talk about the universalities and it makes so much sense that that is so human and seems to transcend culture. Yeah. What's the client's perception of the therapeutic relationship? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Artie, thank you so much for being here. We've really enjoyed discussing cultural diversity with you. And I think we've had a beautiful, full conversation with nuances. And so I just want to also thank our audience for being here and sharing the experience with us on conversations about sex, addiction, and relationships. We'd love to see you soon. And be sure to rate us on Spotify, YouTube, any of those places that you found us that does help other people to find these conversations. And we always hope they're helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Artie. Thanks, Artie. Thank you, Artie.